Father, we just thank you this morning. Lord, that just as you've been my Savior, you're still saving today. Just as you have healed, you're still healing today. Just as you are still delivering, you're still delivering today. God, we worship you today, Jesus. Lord, whatever hindrance might exist, whatever baggage we might have brought in with us today, Lord, we lay it at the feet of Jesus. Lord, we recognize, God, that we cannot carry the weight of the world any longer. Your word tells us that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And Lord, today we surrender the weight that we have allowed to entangle us, that we've allowed to disrupt us. We lay that down today, Jesus, because it is you, O Lord, who is my Redeemer. It is you, O Lord, who is my strength. And I trust in you today, Jesus. I praise you. Amen, amen. If you say, the Lord has healed me before, would you raise your hand right now? Come on. Look around. You want a testimony? You want to see if God can heal you today? Look around. God has healed some people in this room. Amen? How many are free from an addiction? Been set free from addiction? Yeah. Look around right now, people. God is still able to do what He's done. Amen? For He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you might say, well, God, I need a healing, but I don't know that He can. Guess what? These hands recognize a God who has already done it. Come on. He said, by my stripes, you are healed. God's still in the healing business. He's still in the delivering business. He's still in the saving business. You don't know my spouse. Guess what? God knows. And no matter how low you go, no matter how deep in sin you might be steeped, God knows how to pull out, pull you out of the miry clay and set you on the rock this day. He's an awesome, mighty God. There's nothing that is impossible with Him. Amen? You need to turn to body and say, there's nothing impossible with God. Nothing's impossible. Oh God, oh God. <laughs> you are my Savior. Amen. Woo! Do you love Him this morning? Amen. Would you just come on? That's all right. Give Him a big hand clap of praise His house. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You better sit down before I preach. I don't know when I walked in last night. To feel the baptistry, I came in in the dark, and I had my flashlight, and I got, I almost, I jumped, because I was like, there's a transformer in here. Anyway, some things can't be hid, can they? That's a sign of things happening. Appreciate Nick Oxendine. Him and his beautiful wife are with us today, and we sure appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thank you. I, I didn't, I didn't, Brother Manny, I didn't want you to scare you, but I, I almost thought about having you preach from there. First thought was he was high and lifted up. <laughs> but anyway, it is such a joy to have the Thorntons with us. Manny and Jane, you guys are a part of our family. Somebody said this morning, they said, they said, now our family's complete. 
and you guys are part of our family. We're so thankful that we've been partnering with you for these years, and we are thankful for the work that you do. We're excited for the Word of God that you're coming to bring to us now. And uh, can we just give God a hand clap of praise for this wonderful couple? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. This is the day that the Lord has made. And we will rejoice in it. It is a choice. And we choose to make this day a day of worship and service to the Lord God, our Lord and Savior. So good to be with you in the house of the Lord here once again. You have been so gracious to us to send us around the world and I always stop and think, well, maybe they send us away a little further, you know, <laughs> because they just want us to go away a little while. But uh, you always help us get a return ticket, so we're thankful for that. And uh, you've been supporting us for a number of years. And Jane and I are just thrilled to be here again to share the word of the Lord. And uh, any man that or woman that's called to preach the word of God just loves to preach. I mean, there's no excuse for it. That's what he calls us to do. And I have a message this morning from the Lord. In fact, I shouldn't stand here unless I do have a message from the Lord. I have no right to take your time except that I have something from the Lord and from His Word for you. And if that's true, then we need to open our hearts and our minds and our spirits and say, oh Lord, what are you saying to me today? Lord, what is it that I need to hear from your Word? Oh, Holy Spirit, you're in this house. You're in our hearts. We ask you to touch us and to lead us and guide us. And make us more than we've ever been before for you. Open our eyes that we may see. Touch our hearts that we may love. And let us go in your name. Hallelujah. Before we get going too fast. We're so thankful to Pastor and Sister Kim. Brother Paul and Sister Kim are gracious to love us, to invite us. I can tell you I pastored 31 years and not everybody stood in my pulpit. A pastor is cautious about who he invites stand in the pulpit, and we thank you for your trust and your care. Thank you for your love and your support for us, and it's good to see their family. They're growing up. These folks are getting old. I don't know if you realize that. All you, all you got to do is see those guys stand over there, you know. Uh, but I've learned lately, most of the time when I'm in a room, I'm about the oldest one in the room, so I'm just about ready to take the Ancient of Days uh, titles when I'm traveling overseas, and we, go, we do a lot of teaching and training. We do the preaching, and, but in the classrooms, I look around those young pastors and ministers, and uh, uh, I look back at myself, and I, I've come a long ways, but the Lord has been good to me. And, Pastor, thank you for this privilege. Thank you for coming today, for entrusting this hour or two with us to worship the Lord. It's good to see my dear friend, Brother Hubert McGarity. We've worked together in ministry many years, and uh, they... Uh, left us in Alabama and came up here to cold territory. Uh, I'm, I'm a little on dangerous ground. My wife's from Chattanooga, and uh, down there I say that she's a Yankee because I'm from Georgia and she's across the line, you see. But I'm in trouble up here if that's... So I didn't say that. I'm just glad to be here. I'm part of that tribe of Minnie Pearl. I'm just so glad to be here and to be in God's house with God's people, to know that there are people who know the truth, that are seeking the truth who are desiring the will of God in their lives. Um, I, I've got books that the titles have been really good to me, and I've never read them. Uh, one of them is 
uh, along obedience in the same direction. Isn't that what our Christian life's about? Along obedience in the same direction. We're headed home. And uh, then uh, some of the others. And one of them is somebody moved my cheese. Well, first to understand that, I guess we have to be a mouse or a rat. You know, <laughs> they move the gold that we have out there. And I think sometimes we do that. Sometimes we, we allow others to move the gold for us, and we've lost sight of where we're headed. I'm headed home. Hallelujah. And I've got to get on with it because uh, you'll be finished before I'm finished. We, this year, are looking to be in Peru and Colombia teaching in uh, Bible uh, colleges there and teaching in the pastors. We're going to do a pastor's retreat for the pastors and wives there. Uh, then in June, we're to be in Cuba, if all that holds together. Uh, we're living in a shaking world, in a troubled world. It's a broken world, but God has not changed. But if we can't get into Cuba this time, this will be our fourth trip. Then in September in Papua New Guinea, we've been there some 14 or 15 times. I was there six months after they came into the church of God because they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the church which here, their denomination they were in, put them out. And it wasn't long after that the church was being blessed and the pastor was being blessed and they came and asked him to come back into their denomination. He said, why would I come back? You threw me out. <laughs> and uh, the church has been growing, so this is their 20th anniversary. But it was two years ago, but the country's been locked down and shut down and we couldn't travel. And so it'll be in September this year, 20 years celebration of affiliation with the Church of God and serving the Lord in Papua New Guinea. And then in October, supposed to be with a dear friend from Nigeria working in Ghana and Liberia. So you make that possible by your giving. I say thank you to every one of you, every one of you that gives in the offering, every one of you that sacrifices. This church sent a very wonderful love offering to our World Missions account just a month or so ago. And uh, all that you've done through the years, and uh, we, we say thank you. We say from a full heart. We live in a world of 7.9 billion people, almost 8 billion people. Of them, two-thirds of them do not claim Jesus Christ. That would be some 5.2 billion people in your world that do not serve your Savior, Jesus Christ. Two-thirds of the world is lost without God. We live in a lost world. Romans 3 and 23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Three chapters later, chapter 6, verses 20, verse 23, says that the results of that sin is death. If you're going to go ahead and live in your sin, if you're going to go ahead and disobey the true and the living God, then you're going to reap your harvest, and it's called death. But the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And then in John chapter 14, Jesus said, as Pastor quoted earlier, that I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no man comes to the Father by me. But I look at that in a positive sense too. That means that any man can come to the Father through Jesus Christ as well. No one can get there any other way, but anyone who comes to Jesus can come home to the Father. Say amen. Say amen. Hallelujah. Then in John 3, 16, God so loved us that he gave us his son to die for us. Romans 10 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how can they call upon him in whom they've not believed? How can they believe in him in whom they've never heard? How can they hear except they have a preacher or a witness or a testimony? 
And how can they go and preach except they be sent? But whosoever, there's the key. Whosoever from Africa, from Asia, from America, from your home state, from your home city, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord. I was in uh, China a few years ago. Jane was with me. We were at a university, and the professor in between, uh, it was in between sessions, and so he lifted his hand. He said, I'm 39 years old. I'm a professor here at this university. I think it was Zhangzhou. And he said, I need to know an answer to a question. Can I, when I pray in my Chinese, can God understand me? Now, that sounds humorous, but you think about that. Someone that he was sincere, that he was an educated man in his country, but he doesn't know if God can understand him. Do you understand that God understands when you pray? He looks beyond your words. He looks into your hearts and in your spirits, and he knows you as you are. He is the God who can. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus or let me back up. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus is involved in this salvation thing. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, he stood and he said, I, the Son of Man, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. Above all the other things, other things that God does, all the things that Christ came to do in my life and yours, healing and deliverance, and we all, almost all of us lifted our hand for him. But the greatest thing he did was he came into this world seeking for me and searching for me because I was lost and I was dying in my sins. But he so loved me, he became flesh and dwelt among us. And he became our Savior. John 14 and 6, again, he said, you know, I'm the way, and I'm the truth, and I'm the life. He tells us that he can take us home. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. In this particular scripture, Jesus has been in Capernaum, and he's been at the house of Simon Peter the night before. He healed his mother-in-law, and he's ministered to them. They had a great revival, and suddenly then Jesus gets up before dawn, and he went out to pray to talk to his heavenly Father. And the disciples came searching for him, and they said to him, and they said, Jesus, we had great services last night. What are revivals? The people are ready for you. And Jesus said, let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is the reason why I came. He's not excited simply for me to praise Him and worship Him. He's excited when somebody carries the truth of the gospel and someone falls on their face and cries out and says, Oh God, forgive me of my sins. Have mercy on me, O Lord, and heal my spirit and deliver me from the power of this bondage. Set me free, O Lord. Jesus said there's more worship in heaven over one soul that repents more than over the 99 that went to church on Sunday morning and Sunday school revival service and every Wednesday night service. More than all of them together, when your son comes home, when your daughter finds their way back, when somebody loves them into the kingdom of God, the heavens begin to open with worship and praise to the living God because he is holy and he's righteous and it's not his desire that any should perish. Hallelujah. Mark 16 and 15. Jesus put it so clearly for us. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every person. He that, he that believes and is baptized, they obey, they shall be saved. But he that does not believe shall be damned. I know there's a time when we speak of love. 
that there must be a time when we speak the clarity of the truth of the word. Jesus said it's one way or the other. You can't have it both ways. You can come and you can receive me as your Lord and Savior and be saved or you shall be damned. Oh, but that's not the good loving kind of gospel that I have. You have the wrong gospel. Without Jesus Christ, you'll die and go to hell. And hell is not a place you want to even visit. Oh, God, help us this morning to be stirred for a passion of the truth again where we set aside all of our wants and our desires and we get a hold of the truth of eternity that souls are dying without Jesus Christ. But Jesus came to save them from their sins. Our ministry is going for the lost around the world. We do that in two ways, do teaching and training pastors and church leaders in their own country so they can reap the harvest among those people. You think I can go for a week or two in a country and I can reap all the people that are lost there? No, 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 no way. But if I can give them something that strengthens them in their ministry, if we can help each other here in America, make our churches stronger, our people stronger in their own faith, when they walk out into this world where Satan is waiting and they stand, the devil is shaking in his boots because we're full of the presence and the power of God and we've determined we're going to live for Him and we're not going to be a part of those things that take others down. Oh God, help us. We do it through teaching and training. We do it through preaching, through crusades and evangelism and, and the different places that we go, and, and you make that possible. We are going to see a video. It's about a five-minute video, and it represents the places that we've ministered. Some of those, we've worked in 62 countries since the year 2000. We go back as often as we can. China's been a kind of a center, and now they've kind of shut the door, you know. Things are getting tight there to even get into the country but we've been planting seed there. We've been sowing seed there. We've been training pastors, and we've been doing what we could. And now it's up to God and the Holy Spirit to do whatever He's going to do in that harvest field. But listen, the field's still rich and ripe around where we are here if we'll get busy. Because one day, if the Lord should tarry, one day this harvest field is going to tighten up, and this harvest field is going to be a place that's difficult to work. Now is the time for salvation. And now is the time to go and reap the harvest. It's time to get up out of our laziness and get out there where the people are and build a bridge and take Jesus Christ across and introduce him to the true Jesus and not the Jesus that the world talks about. They don't know him. I said they don't know him. Don't you let this world determine your theology and tell you who God is and who is your Lord and Savior. You need to know who he is and you need to live it in the presence of those in your community where you are. When the time comes, I'll just stop. This video has four short clips at the beginning. The first one is in Madagascar, in below Madagascar. And we had one day crusade there. And it's among a, called a Sakalava tribe. They're an unreached people group. If you're not familiar with that term, that simply means there are not enough Christians in their community, in their tribe, for them to evangelize themselves. And so we were there with a couple of others, and we were doing ministry. We were doing some training, and we had one day. I preached one day crusade. We had 103 people saved in that one service. And there in the clip, they're repeating the, uh, the, the repentance prayer. They're confessing their sins before the Lord, and I'm leading them to that. The second little clip comes from Papua New Guinea, and it's some of the older women, not old ones, but some of the older women 
in the congregation from the tribes, and they are dressed in their tribal uh, affair, and they, they're coming before worship. We're about to start church, and they're just so glad to be there to worship. And they come in playing their drums. And then the third clip that you will see is in Ethiopia. We have a Bible school in southern Ethiopia, and we do training for the pastors. I've been there several times. And uh, they tell me that some 35 years ago in that area, people were still wearing, wearing animal skins there in that area. Uh, didn't see that while I was there, but it wasn't long ago. But now the church has a Bible school, and we're training pastors, and they're working in that area. And then finally in Lusaka, uh, Zambia. And it's the All-African Conference, and I was a part of that. And they, again, they're celebrating. You know, people that love the Lord, they love to celebrate. They love to celebrate, and it's before service. And they're dancing and coming around in the portion there. And then after that, you'll see some pictures. Most of those I took myself. I'm not into the selfies, so if I'm in the picture, I didn't take the picture. And so there's some 25 countries. I counted them in these pictures that are represented out of the 62 we worked in. Then there's some 22 uh, Bible schools and Bible training places that we worked and ministered. And uh, uh, you, they're scattered throughout. The faces of the children you see represent the generation that is present and the generation that is to come. And it's a lost world that needs Jesus Christ. So they are from the different countries. I think the first two little children you see, one is a brother and sister, and they are in the uh, Philippines. And the little sister was so bashful, I tried to take her picture, and she dug her head. And I was up in the mountains with the tribal people. The second one was in Saigon, Vietnam, and they were sitting there downtown on the curb. Again, a little brother and little sister. But the children of this world need Jesus Christ. And they need somebody to give them the truth. And uh, let's share this together. The song you're going to hear is Steve Brock, I Should Have Been Crucified. How many believers are here? How many believers? Quickly. God bless you. Hands down. Every one of us should have been on the cross. Every one of us should have been crucified. So as you see the song and you see represented the lost harvest and some of those that we were in the harvest, then pray be blessed and I'll be back. I don't want sin in my life. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you are God's Savior. That you were crucified for my sins on the cross. That you rose out of the pen on the third day.
was guilty with nothing to say. They were coming to take me. And a voice from heaven's word that said, Let him go, take me instead. In your world, in your present world where you live right now, right here, God is calling you and me back to a passion for truth. We live in a world of deception and lies, hidden agendas. We doubt all of those around us almost anymore. anymore. And we talk about this administration or that administration, this government or that government, this is better than that. And all the while, we don't know what the truth is. God is calling us to again have a deep passion for truth, the truth about who God is, 
the truth about who you are, the truth about the world that you're living in, and the truth about your own relationship with Jesus Christ, the only Savior of the world. God is calling us for truth. We live in a culture in America. I've lived here all my life, and I've grown up, and I've seen many changes in our culture, and it's not all pretty. It's not all good-looking. Much of it is deceptive. But there's a truth that cannot be hidden. There's a truth that must stand and rise above all the conditions and all the people we're for and against that stands in the midst of all the storms and all of the winds and all of the rages. And we recognize that the world we live in is in a spiritual warfare. It's a warfare that is taking place between Almighty God and the pits of hell. And it's being worked out on the stages of politics and countries around this world and in the homes, in the bedrooms of our young people and our parents. It's an evil world. It wasn't made that way, but we sinned against God and this world has been cursed. They're good things, things we enjoy, but somehow we, we deceive ourselves about those things that should be rejected, and we say it's okay, it's all right, but we need to find the truth and hold to the truth. Acts chapter 17, verse 22 through 28, I think it's one of those powerful scriptures that we ought to go back to because it tells us who we are. It tells us how we're still here and haven't already gone into eternity. It tells us what we're here for. And it's when Paul is standing on the top of Mars Hill. Our Sunday school class today, we mentioned a portion of this scripture. And uh, the Apostle Paul is standing, and he's, he's been brought from the streets where he was preaching about Jesus, and he was preaching about the resurrection. And they didn't know what he was talking about. They took him to the top of the hill, for there were those who were up there that were every day just sitting to learn some new truth. Do you know anybody like that? I know a few. They just want to find something new, something new, something new. They're not looking for truth. They just want something that's different, something that's new, that they can somehow stir the attention of others. And Paul is carried up, and so they set him there to speak before these so-called intellectuals. And he starts out in verse 22, and he says, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. You're just emotionally superstitious in all of your living. He said, for as I pass by your devotions, that is, I pass by those places of, of worship that you call temples that are for idols. He said, as I pass by, I saw one that said to the unknown God, whom you therefore worship in ignorance, I declare now unto you. God, who made the world and everything in it. Listen carefully. Paul's a great preacher. He said, God, who made the world and everything in it, seeing that he's the Lord of heaven and the Lord of this earth, he does not dwell in temples made by men's hands. Neither is he worshiped by men's hands. That is, with idols as though he needed anything. And here's the key verse, verse 25, because he gives all things life and breath and all things. I'm speaking to every living thing here this morning. God gave you your life. That's how you got here. You say, oh, but you don't know my family and my history. It's not a pretty picture. No, but I know where life comes from. God is the author of all life. That baby doesn't breathe until he breathes life into that baby. Ever how it got here, whether it was the right way or the wrong way as far as men see it, Life comes from God, and every breath I draw reminds me that God loves me. You hear what I'm telling you? 
the breath you just drawn, that was a recognition that the Almighty God still knows where you are. He still has His hand on your life. He still has not forgotten you nor forsaken you. Oh, but I'm not a Christian. I'm not living. No, but He still loves you and He's still searching for you and He's still seeking for you. He said, I came to seek and to save those that are lost. And He goes on to say, and then He comes two verses later, verse 27. He said, now here's why you were born. That you might seek the Lord and feel after Him in your life, and perhaps find Him. And that's not difficult for you to do, for He's very, He's not far from every one of us. He's very near to every one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our very being. And that's what our Sunday school teacher quoted to us this morning, that passage of Scripture. I found this a few years ago in a new way. You know how it happens, Pastor. You find a Scripture you've read before, and it got a hold of my heart. This tells me where I came from. God gave me my life. And every breath I've drawn since that day has been a gift from his hands. He's been right there with me. I wouldn't have drawn that breath if he hadn't given it to me. I know we got good doctors and nurses and hospitals, but I want to tell you something. Until he gives me that breath, I'm not going to draw it. Oh, he still loves me. He knows where I am. His hand's on my life. And there's still hope for you. There's still hope for your life. There's still hope to salvage all the mistakes we've made. Because when we come to him, he just cleans the slate. And he starts over with us. God so loved us. And in that scripture, he tells us who God is. The God who is the God above all gods, the only true and living God, is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And he's still Lord. We don't use that term much anymore. You know what Lord is? Lord's in charge. Lord's over it all. He's still Lord of the heaven and the earth. And anything that happens in this world, even evil, it's by his permissive will. It's not because he wants us to act like that. But he's still Lord of the heavens and the earth. And every individual, if you come against a big bully, just remember, he's getting his breath the same place, same place you're getting yours. He won't breathe another breath unless God allows it to happen. That means no matter how much they bully you, they can only go so far. And God will put his hand up and say, that's far enough. Back off. God is on the side of his people. And God wants us to come back to the truth of who he is, who we are, and what our world is. Our world is sin-cursed and broken, and it's hurting, and it's suffering, and it's evil, and it's full of hatred, and it's full of violence in our streets, and it's crowding in upon us, and in our communities, and it's reaching around the world. And the countries you saw represent many of these. Burma that was up there, been there three or four times, and, and they're in a great upheaval in that country. They found mass graves just a month or two ago, and all these young lives that were slain. All that's going on around our world, this world is not our home. We're headed home. I want to get to that scripture in just a moment. But he's calling us back to the truth about our world. We're not building a place to stay right here. If you are, you're building on sinking sand, and you're going to see it fall one day. But if you're building for another kingdom, another world, Hebrews chapter 11 said, They that say that they are strangers and pilgrims in this world, they declare plainly that they seek another country that is a heavenly country. And because of that, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're willing to declare, I'm just a stranger and pilgrim passing through, then he's building for you a city. And he's not ashamed to be your God. He's on your side. If you're willing to declare, you don't belong in this world, but you're heading home. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, let me move on. 
truth. I want to give you some scriptures. You need to know some of these scriptures. I probably gave them last time I was here because I want you to know that God's on the side of truth. God doesn't put up with junk. He doesn't call them white lies or, or, or innuendos and, you know, just meeting the, the ends, justifying them. No, he calls a lie a lie, and he calls sin sin, and he calls the truth the truth. Proverbs 23, 23, the Bible tells us, instructs us clearly to go after the truth. Buy the truth and never sell it. You don't have to have money. All you got to do is invest your time and your energy and, and seek the Word and the things that are true here. Fall on your knees and call out on God and your prayers, and, and the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. He said, buy the truth and don't give it up for anybody. Don't surrender it for any situation. Buy the truth and never sell it. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus identified himself as truth. He said, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17, Jesus identified the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of truth. I'll pray the Father, He'll send you another comforter that He may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it sees Him not, doesn't know Him. But you know Him. He's been dwelling with you in this world, but now He's going to be in you. He's talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, a change of relationship with the Holy Spirit. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, He indwells your very being. Now, I know He comes at the point of salvation and he gives that identity but this is a different experience that Jesus is talking about when he comes into your heart and your life and he is the spirit of truth and he guides you into all truth chapter 16 of John verse 13 he said when he the spirit of truth has come he will guide you into all truth he won't talk about himself but what he hears that he will also say he will speak to and he will teach you new things the Holy Spirit Jesus said, is the spirit of truth. He said, I am truth. The scripture in Proverbs said, go out and seek the truth and find it and hide it away and keep it in your presence. Don't lose it. Live upon it. And then in John chapter 17, verse 17, Jesus identifies the word of God as being the truth. He says, Father, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. He's talking about the word of God. John chapter 8, verses 30 through 32, Jesus is talking to new Jews that have just believed in him, those that have just come to him. And he says to them, if you continue in my word, then you really are my disciples. Let me caution you, if you have no desire for the word, if you can't develop an appetite for the word, you better check again on your relationship with Jesus Christ. He said, you really are a disciple if you hunger for my word, if you stay in my word. And then he goes on to say, and you shall know the truth. If you're in the word, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? It will make you free. There are some 195 countries in our world, the Church of God's in some 186 of those in some presence. And I want to tell you, whatever country I go into, they're looking for freedom. They're talking about freedom. We wish we were not like we are. We wish we lived in a country like yours where there's freedom. I want to tell you something. There's no slavery like the slavery of sin. And America's got their portion of sin, and they are lifting it up, and they're, they're selling it and pumping it overseas. I go into Africa, and I see all the, the sin and debauchery that comes from our television programs here, and it's going over there. Sin is sin wherever it, are, wherever it is, and, and that which is real and true stands in the midst of the darkness in its brightness and glory because truth will be seen. And then in John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24, Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. She's a Gentile woman. Think about that. 
Can you imagine? She's not even a Jew. And Jesus had, had to go by there, and he's ministering to her. And he says to her, the time is coming, and it's already here, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is searching for those kind of people. He says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. That tells me that's the only way there's any true worship. Real worship is spirit and truth, and God knows what's real and what's not. I said God knows what's real and what's not. And there's a lot of places that claim that this is real and it's not. We do a lot of crusades, and it was in Africa, and we had a dear brother that stood about four inches taller than I do, big man. He was the overseer, and we, they did three, three hours of music. And uh, we would come in about the last hour because that was about all we could take, you know. <laughs> and they're standing in the sun, and they're sitting shoulder to shoulder, and, and uh, they're packed out, and they come from all over the community to sing. And we came in and sat down. There were four guys up standing, and they were, they were doing their dance and their thing. And when they got left, the overseer leaned over and said, God wasn't in that. That's all he said, God wasn't in that. I, I think there are times when it's all about me and it's not all about him. True worshipers, that's between you and God. You're the only one that can lift up true worship to him. And if I don't lift up true worship, he doesn't want my worship. He's got the real thing. And he doesn't want my halfway. He doesn't want me. Now, there are times I don't remember the words, you know. Some of them, I've only known them about 50 years. You'd think I'd learn the words, but I, I may know two or three verses or two or three lines of it. But, you know, God wants us to worship him from our hearts. And he wants the Holy Spirit to lead us in worship. And so that's what the truth is mentioned over and over and over we can't live outside the truth and be faithful to him. The heart of the truth is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The heart of truth is the gospel. What is the gospel? It's the good news of John 3:16 that God so loved us that he gave up his son to die for us on the cross. What is the gospel? It's the story of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. What is the gospel? It's John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the word. Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And He is the life, and the life was the light of men. And it shone in the darkness, and the darkness didn't understand it. Verse 14, He says, but that Word, Jesus, became flesh, and He dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, which was full of grace and truth. And then he goes on to say, out of his fullness, the fullness of Jesus Christ, all we have received grace for grace. That, that phrase, grace for grace, just simply means blessing after blessing, undeserved blessing after un undeserved blessing just keeps coming into my life. And I, we've received that out of him. He said, Moses, or he, he said that Moses gave the law. But he said, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. You hear that? Grace and truth came through Jesus. No man's seen God at any time. 
but the only begotten Son who's in the bosom of the Father. He's declared God to us. That's the gospel. That's what John said. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, first four verses, Paul said, here's the gospel. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you have received, wherein you stand, and by which you're going to be saved. If you remember the words I preached to you, and if you do not believe, and your, your belief is not in vain, he said, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ rose, Christ died on the cross for our sins. We just heard the song. He died for our sins, according to the Scripture. He was buried, and he rose again, according to the Scriptures. Paul said that's the gospel. You can talk about everything else in the world, but if you don't get to those three points, you're not giving the full gospel. You're not giving the heart of the gospel. He died for his sins, my sins, your sins, not his. He was buried, but he rose again on the third day. Hallelujah. What is the gospel? The gospel is John 20, verses 30 and 31. When John says, true to the many other miracle signs Jesus in the midst of, did in the midst of his disciples, said, I hadn't written them here. But he said, I've written these. There were seven of them. I've written these miracle signs so that you might be a believer. And he gave seven miracles in that gospel. He said, so that you can believe that Jesus is the Christ and that he's the Son of God. He said, if you believe these two things, if you believe he's God's Messiah, his Christ, and you believe that he's the Son of God, God come down to save us himself, then you can have life. What is the gospel? Paul said in Romans 1.14, I'm a debtor because of the gospel. I'm a debtor, both to the Greeks, to the barbarian, to the wise, to the unwise. So as much as him he is, now I'm ready to preach to you also. I guess the question is, how much is there left in us? How much is there that you're willing to, to expend for the gospel? Paul said, as much as there is, I'm ready to use it. I'm ready to preach to you also, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. If you'll just stay with me till I finish this point, I'm going to loose you and let you go. But see, he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Pastor, I really believe that's at the heart of so much that causes us not to witness for Christ. We don't have to say it the same way. Everybody else does, but we get silent because we somehow are intimidated and somehow we're not willing to tell the story of Jesus and that everybody needs the Savior. And he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God. Here's why he's not ashamed. The gospel is the power of God for salvation for every man who will believe. You have that in your hands. You have that in your possession. You have that to give to dying people that are going to hell right now. You have that testimony because you're a believer, because you have come to Christ. And he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first, but also to the Greek. For in that gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. He said, in the gospel, I find God's righteousness in his dealings with us. And he said, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. I don't know what happens to my sermons. I wind up just a portion, but I do know this. I know that God somehow speaks in our meager means of doing what we do. I believe with all of my heart this is God's house and God's people. And I believe God is speaking to hearts in this place. 
And some of you are physically tired. I understand that. Uh, I'm 74 now. You know, I wasn't, I'm, I, I, I jumped from 32 to 74, something like that, physically. You know, I, I, though all those airplanes, I've flown over a million and a half miles just on Delta in the last 20 years. And that makes me tired to think about it. But you know, whatever there is left of us, God's not through. He's not through. He's still Lord. And I'm still his servant. I've been washed in his blood. My sins have been taken away. And he's called me out. The pastor was talking about Isaiah's call when Isaiah saw him. He said, I, I lifted up my eyes and I said, Woe is me! I've been found out. I'm in the presence of the holy God, and I know he knows who I am. God is calling us back to truth. That truth above all things is the truth about God, the truth about ourselves, the truth about the world we're living in. This is not your home. Don't you get settled down here. Don't anchor down here. Don't put up your treasures down here. And I want to tell you that it's your relationship with Jesus Christ that you've got to be honest about. I want to give you this scripture, Matthew 7, 21. Jesus said, in that day, he begins by saying, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. That means not everybody on Sunday morning that sits in the church house that says, Lord, Lord, and sings the songs and bows their head and says, amen. Not every one of them going to be there. Did you hear me? They may be your relatives, but if Jesus Christ is not Lord, if there's been no repentance, yeah, I said it, repentance. Salvation requires repentance. It's godly sorrow for what we've done against God. It's a turning away from ourselves and our sin and a turning to God, calling upon Him for His mercy. And if we don't do that, our sins are still with us. But Jesus said, many in that day will say unto me, Lord, Lord, didn't we preach in your name? Didn't we cast out devils in your name? Didn't we do many wonderful works in your name? Jesus said, I will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Even a man named Shakespeare, which I don't know, we, who could tell if there are any signs of Christianity? I don't know. And he never heard about that kind of thing from that life. But he said, to your own self, be true. In other words, if you're going to lie, don't lie to yourself. If you're not ready to meet God, don't you lie to yourself. You'll sit there and die and go to hell. You'll never get out of hell. It's a place of supreme suffering. It's a place that wasn't made for you. It's made for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25, 41. It wasn't made for any man. But if you... Lie to yourself about your relationship with God and you carry that sin in your life. You see, the Holy Ghost won't leave you alone. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's not just a flowing power. It's not just a flood, but it is an individual. It's a divine person, and he's the one that brings conviction in every heart in this house and in the household of our families. Many of you sitting here have loved ones that are lost. And when I've been talking about the lost, your mind keeps going back to that family member and that individual. And some of them are your neighbor. And some of them you're going to meet this next week. But I want to tell you something. You're on assignment. I said you're on assignment. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says, If any man's in Christ, 
That's the clue. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away. Now all things are new because all things about God now who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and given to us Christians the ministry of reconciliation so that God was in Christ reconciling the whole world to himself and not imputing their trespasses unto them. That's what he, he doesn't want anyone to die and go to hell but He has now given us the Word. That's the gospel I wanted to get to and talk about. He's given us the Word of reconciliation. And then He says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Have you turned on the news lately? I saw the ambassador from England to the United States on the television screen. She was a rough-looking person. But she spoke with all the authority of England for her country. And yet they talk about the different countries and those ambassadors, and they would speak for their country. You are an ambassador for Christ. You who raised your hands and said, I'm a child of God, you're an ambassador for Christ. That's what the Bible says. That means you speak what He wants you to speak, not what you want it to be. It means that God is doing His will and His purpose, and He's preparing a place for those who have prepared themselves for Him. God is bringing this world to conclusion. I know we don't like to hear that, but it's true because he never intended. You know where this, where this world's headed? In Second Peter, again, the chapter you were speaking from this morning, Peter says that this world is kept in store, reserved under fire against the day of judgment and the perdition of ungodly. And I thought, what in the world is perdition? And I looked it up. It means eternal damnation. It is, it's, this world is held against the day of judgment and the eternal damnation of the ungodly. That's where this world is headed. I don't want to be on here. I don't intend to be on board this vessel when it goes out of its orbit and goes into fire and, and is destroyed. I'm not going to hell. I've read too much about it. I've heard too many sermons about it. I believe the truth of the Word. Say what you want and, and name say everyone you want to and say, well, they don't understand what they're saying. But I want to tell you something. When you read the truth out of the Word of God, the fear of God shakes you and stirs you and the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you. You know it's the truth. You can't live in lies and deception. It'll take you to hell. It'll take your children there. The saddest thing that pastors learn is that when someone leaves, when someone leaves the church, they usually take their family with them. The same is true about salvation. When a family member goes bad and turns for the things of this world and turns away from Christ, he usually, she usually takes their loved ones with them. I'm telling you this morning that we, 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 we built up this lifestyle in America I know you're looking at me. He's just a, uh, a daffy missionary that lives over Sears and doesn't know what he's talking about. No, I've seen enough to know what's real and not, what's not real. And I'm not going to be a part of what's not real. I'm going to hold on to Jesus. I'm going to stand in the truth of the Word. It never changes, Pastor. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever because he said, I'm the truth. And he said, the Word is his truth. It's, truth doesn't change. Stand to your feet. <laughs> I can't apologize you for, to you for running late because I'm here on assignment. You hear what I'm telling you? 
I'm going to get in the car and I'm going to drive back down to Birmingham. And we were in Florida last week. Who knows where we'll be next week? One of the days where I'm going home. Someone said, I'm just here on a short assignment and then I'm going back home. That's what you can say as a believer. You're just here on a short assignment. I sold in a men's department when I was in high school and we had salesmen that come around and those salesmen, they were so well taken care of. If they were a good salesman, we had one man, he had a chauffeur. The company provided him a chauffeur. He came around, he sold Hart Schaffner suits and they would, they'd pay every expense he had. They'd pay his hotel rooms, his food. He, they hired a driver to drive the vehicle. <clears throat> I want to tell you something. When you're working for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, if you'll just be faithful, he'll take care of everything else. If you'll get out there and get on the road and, and start putting the rubber on the road where you ought to be reaching the lives of brokenness, you'll find he'll be faithful. You'll find he'll take care of those broken things that you've left behind. I'm going to ask you, please don't leave. Give me about five minutes just to bring those who want to call upon the Lord, and then Pastor will bring you a chance to, to depart. Would you just bow your head standing right where you are? Father, this is your house. These are your people. This is your word. You spoke to my heart, and I've been preparing for this service for many weeks, Lord. You touched us this morning with your divine presence. Lord, your word never changes, and we simply want to be found faithful. Lord, we want to find the truth, and we don't want to ever deliver it to, to anyone else without giving it to them for life. Lord, help us to live in the truth. Help us to know the truth. I pray now, Lord, for that one that's here this morning, that somehow some, something's not right in their heart and their life. You know what it is, oh Lord. You've spoken to that heart. We don't want anyone that's here to die and go to hell. Lord, I pray that not one person that walks through the doors of this house will leave and die and go to hell. Lord, prepare us this day, Lord. And by your Holy Spirit, would you bring conviction and draw that heart with love and mercy that we may love them and pray with them, Lord, that you may do what only you can do. You can deliver them from their sins and give them eternal life. Lord, I ask you to speak now in Jesus' name. While the heads are bowed and every eye is closed, I'm just asking you the question, are you here this morning? I'm getting on a step so I can see you all the way to the back. Is there anyone here this morning you'd say that somehow in this service don't know what it was or what you said or why you said it, don't understand exactly what's going on, but in my heart I know there's something between me and God, and I don't want to leave this world without Jesus Christ. I believe the truth that He is the only Savior. I just don't know how to get there. If you just lift your hand and say, pray for me, just lift your hand. I'm not going to force you to come. I'm going to invite you in a minute. Would you just lift your hand and say, I'm not ready to meet God. I want to be honest. I want to be truthful. I don't want to deceive myself. I just want to be ready to meet God when He says it's time for you to come. Is there anyone you'd lift your hand? Anyone you'd lift your hand? I'm not going to beg you. You see, the trouble when we're in this world, you, you need to know the Lord. I'm going to give you one more opportunity, and we're going to change the order of the service. Someone else, anyone here, you'd say, pray for me. I'm not ready to meet God. Are we all believers here? Is everything clear? Is the truth settled in our hearts and our lives? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Church, would you look this direction? This morning, God is speaking to our hearts. I would love to send this altar full of people seeking Christ. It doesn't happen every service. 
You'll remember back when you came to Jesus Christ, sometimes you were in that time where you were trying to decide, do I have to go or will I go? But you see, some wait till too late. So right now, I'm going to ask you, Pastor, come on, let's stand over here. And I'm going to pray a prayer for you, and then I'm going to turn it to Pastor. That's the way you close it when you turn the microphone over to Pastor. But I want to tell you something. There's some eternal things going on in this place. And if God's people doesn't get it, don't give it a hold of God and have a passion for truth again and not just what makes me feel good. We're going to lose our families. We're going to lose our communities. This nation's going down. If we don't get a hold of God, and I want to pray now that God will give you divine appointments this week give you a chance. You see, it doesn't have to be a preacher in the pulpit. There'll be people you will minister to that will never walk in the doors of this church. God doesn't care. You're not sent just to this church. You're sent into this community with the love of Christ and the power of His Word. And if you're not doing that work, you're not doing much. If you do that much, you're a blessing to the church. And I'll give you this. I was going to put it in. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 says, The outward works of the Holy Spirit are given to every person to be a blessing to the whole church. You are a gift to God's church. Act like it. Be a blessing. Come to church when there's fellowship, when there's preaching. Be a blessing to your brothers and your sisters. Pick up the discouraged. Go and find the hurting and the broken. Be a blessing to your church. Father, I thank you for your church and your people. I thank you for this pastor. I thank you for the power of your word that is in our hands day by day. I pray your blessings on every leader in this congregation that there be a mighty move of of outreach, O Lord, for the hunger that is in our land for truth that we can be the light in the darkness in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. As our team is getting ready, I have the privilege of doing a baptismal service. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Brother, you gave us a powerful message today. I want to encourage you that it's easy to compromise. Can, I hear, can, you, can you hear that again? It's easy to compromise because we get so desensitized to the world. But I want to encourage you to not conform to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God's calling us to be a living sacrifice today. It's easy to mix. It's easy to allow the things of this world to become the priorities of our life. But the world's not looking for your compromise. They're looking for a people who will stand in the gap, who will say, I will stand when everyone else is failing. I will stand because of the love of God that has transformed me. I will stand. This morning, you may be a believer. But I ask you, would you check your heart? Would you allow the Holy Spirit to look on the inside of you? As David said, search me, O God. Well, that's a question, isn't it? Search me, O God, and see 
if there be any wicked way in me. Ask the Lord to search your heart. Ask the Lord. Many of us already know where we stand with God. Many of us already know, are we all the way in? Or are we only standing at the door? Don't let eternity pass without knowing that you are all the way in. I love you guys. And I want to see everyone around the throne one day. I'm going to prepare for baptism. And if you say, Pastor, I, I want to be all in. I want you to be praying where you are as we prepare. Be all in. Not half-hearted. Not just a little bit. All the way in. Amen. A, a scripture that our Spanish class is learning John 3.16 y'all can judge me on this later porque tan amo Dios al mundo que dio su hijo un gentio para que todo lo cre que creen en él no se pierda pero tenga vida eterna God loved the world so much that he died on the cross for every single one of us. I'm thankful for Lee and Scott because over the last two weeks, Lee came in from driving down the road. She just had to stop in on a CR night. She said, the Lord told me to turn my car around. I had to stop. And that's been a, a three-week journey. Three-week journey. Now, both her and Scott have rededicated their life to the Lord. They said, Pastor, we, we want to be baptized. We don't want to continue living the way we used to live. We want God to touch our lives. We need the Lord to transform us. And you know, you're on a journey. Scott, we ain't arrived yet. We've still got some things we're working on. But this today says, I am declaring in front of God and everyone else that I don't want to go backwards. I want the old man to be buried. I want the old me to be buried. I'm ready for a new life in Christ Jesus. Amen.
last few months have been full of heartache, loss, devastation, and lies. And a lot of loss. But Jesus covers that. Just found out I'm stage two ovarian cancer on Friday. Their battle with cancer, but God's got it. Beverly and Marshall were my, and Tina were my three first friends the night that I came here three weeks ago. This church is the best church in the state of Tennessee. Amen. They will cover you with your love. They will take on you. They will take care of you. They will be there for you because you know what? None of us are perfect, but all of us are God's children. And they love the Lord with everything they have. And this is a godly man, and I thank God for him. For Scott, I love you, and I'm declaring my love for you in front of everybody. And I'm ready to be Let's bury cancer in the waters of baptism. Amen. How many believe that God's able to heal cancer? Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, because of the profession of faith of Lee, that she believes that you are her Lord and Savior, who died on the cross for her, who was buried, who rose again on the third day. It's by your stripes that she is healed. We bury the past. We bury sickness. We bury brokenness. We bury cancer in the waters of baptism. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. Come on, somebody. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. privilege of sitting down and hearing some stories. Scott first really got into the work, the work of the Lord in North Carolina at the Cary Church of God. And we, we began talking, I knew a lot of the people he knew, knows, and it's just amazing. But you know, sometimes the journey causes us to to fall sometimes things get hinder us but I'm so glad that the last couple of weeks the Lord has turned his life around turned his focus back to him he said pastor he says I want to show that I am rededicating my life I want to be baptized again I said let's go brother No, I, 
I definitely won't put this in the water. I've been shocked many times being a maintenance guy, so. Uh, so, I was telling Lee that doing this today is a new harvest. It's a new beginning. I've asked God to cleanse me from everything that I've done wrong, everything that I got angry about, everything I was hurt about, because this has been a long time coming. You know, I've been baptized before, but this is where it changes today. And I told God, this is my last stop. I've traveled all over the place, just like you, Pastor. Never been to other countries or anything, but I've been to different states. I've been to different ministries, done different things. And I want this to be my last stop right here at the Alcoa Maryville Church of God. This is where the rubber meets the road. And I know God has been calling me a long time to bless other people, to share what he's done for me. Because see, one thing I always said that I put on a church sign back, back in my hometown of Virginia and God gave me this one thing, and it, I put on the sign, and it said, failure's not messing up, it's giving up. So I may have failed. I have made my mistakes. I've been through, and I'll just say this, hell and back. I've been down the road of drugs, alcohol, hanging out with biker gangs. It's not going to be any more of that. But instead of me being a part of the gangs, I'm going to be the one ministering to the gangs, ministering to other people, because that's what it's about. And sweetheart, Lee, I want to say I'm sorry before God and his church and I do love you very much. And I thank God for you. And I want you to know that with all my heart. Thank you. of faith knowing that the Lord Jesus is your personal Savior I baptize you in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Ghost
Praise the Lord. Do you love Jesus? Amen. Somebody said we need to have a, a day of baptism. Listen, if somebody comes and wants to be baptized, we'll baptize every week. I won't, I won't. Listen, if somebody wants to get saved and get their life right, man, I don't want to hinder anybody. Amen. God bless you guys. In the Philippines, in one dialect, God bless you is Meradayotiapo. In La Mosquiti, the jungle, it's Daiwanyaymi Maimumbia. In Spanish, it's Que Dios le bendiga. God bless you. Love you guys. Thank you for your passion. Remember, next, next week, we will be March the 6th at Heritage Middle School. Heritage Middle School. Come join us. God bless you guys. Oh, we need help stacking chairs. If anybody can help us stack chairs, we would greatly appreciate your help. The many hands make light work, guys. Please stay and help us.